This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hi, folks. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with us, joining us here on Mindful Medicine. We're going to be talking about breaking up today. Yep. And breaking up with something that you might love that might be hard to do. I'm sure you're all sort of going, uh huh, been there. But this is the one thing that um, is probably near and dear to our hearts that we don't understand all about and why it's so near and dear to our hearts. It's sugar. So we're going to be talking about breaking up with sugar. So I have my esteemed guest, Molly Carmel. Um, She has made it her life's mission to help people find a sustainable, okay, so not just a quick fix. This is a long-term, let's look at this, let's open our minds, let's really think this through, solution to the battle of obesity and related eating disorders. And after battling her own eating disorder for over 20 years and finding no solution and available treatment, she created The Beacon. And this is where she helps clients recover from similar addictions. And this is so lovely. Molly, I'm going to bring you on right now because there's nothing that I love more than talking to a guest who's an expert in a subject because they have lived it. Mm, I have the chills when you say that. I I mean, it is so important to me too, you know, I'm so with you. Yeah. I mean, the more and more it's, you know, I have a clinical practice, but the more and more that I'm able to, as I age, you know, I go through more things and that I'm able to draw from and disclose as far as who I am and how I move through this world as well and what my experiences are. I mean, it's pretty darn amazing. So, well, congratulations. Um, you. you not only have a bachelor's in social work from Cornell University and your master's from Columbia, um, you've got extensive training in dialectical behavior therapy, addiction, and nutrition. So beyond your personal uh, you know, experience, we're going to get a lot of information from you. And so I want to start with the number one question here. What made you break up with sugar? You know, I um, I was put on a diet when I was seven years old um, oh, and struggled wow. with food since I was four. I know it's an, it's another story for another time, but the truth is, you know, I was struggling uh, unknowingly with all of this for over twenty years, and it went like this: right, go on a diet, fail at the diet, turn to sugar, you know, go on another demoralization, go on another diet, fail at another diet, turn to sugar. You know, and I never, ever, because sugar really soothed me and it numbed me and it did all of the things. And um, and I never, ever came, looked at the idea that sugar was serving as my solution, but actually it was my problem. And I, you know, I knew I wanted to help people find their freedom in food and weight since I was 13. I was at a weight loss. I were I was at a weight loss camp that my mother had lovingly sent me to. And when they were like running us and feeding us, I knew there like something was missing. I knew I was going to go home and gain all my weight back and I thought I'm going to I'm going to fix this. Like I'm going to help people. And I didn't know the path that I was going to have to go on in order to make that a reality. But I was trained in very low-fat eating, like because that's what we did mm. back then. I'm sure you were right. right. The snack wells and the honey mustard pretzels, and oh. you know that's what I was trained in diligently. I started a boarding school, and I, it rooted in that. And then I started my own practice, and here's what I found: that the people that I was working with weren't getting better. I was going home secretly binging at night, fat-free brownies, the like. I was 
gaining weight hand over fist as an eating disorders and addictions therapist. And funny enough, um, it's when Robert Lustig's work and his bitter truth was really getting big in our field. And um, and it's my brother, oddly, went on the paleo diet. And I, I mean, I think that our um, compulsion with uh, with with dieting is as bad as America's compulsion with sugar and problems with sure. sugar. And sure. I love, you know, at that point in my life, I loved a good, sexy diet. You know, my brother was losing weight hand over fist. I was suffering, and I was like, I'm going to try that. And um, and I went through detox, <laughs> and I thought to myself oh, I know better. Like, I know what's happening right now. I'm like, I'm really detoxing from this drug of sugar. And I, it's kind of the last time that I was actively using sugar. And I went and I went and I dived into the research and I found mentors and I found an amazing nutritionist who helped me to revamp. I had a whole clinic. I revamped the entire clinic. And I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Awakenings where, you know, they sort of wake up from the medicine. It's like everybody started getting well at my clinic, too. And um, and I've been doing it for about a decade. I've been off of sugar, broken up with sugar for about a decade. And I can tell you, like, it is – I never in my life thought that you could have a healthy and loving relationship with food. I thought that was just kind of like Aww. some really pretty words that we could use. But, you know, I, I don't worry about gaining weight. I'm, I take risks. I live a big, colorful life. And, and so do the thousands of people I treat at my, at my clinic in Manhattan. Yeah, that's great. You know, it's such a it's a, such a great story because it's so, I mean, it's so painful to hear. I mean, it's like food. I mean, you know, when I look up dic- uh, diet in the dictionary, it 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 truly means if you if you translate it because I do like to look up words sometimes, especially when they're that. used. Yeah, they're used so. I don't know, especially in our pop wellness society. Right. Yeah, it's like, but it means habitual nourishment. So how is it? Ha- do you nourish yourself? And I was like, God. I can turn that on its head and I can really get into talking about that with folks because, um, I mean, but sugar, it's like, it is so addictive. And I have, I mean, I mean, I'm a pretty good walk my talk type of gal, but I will have had in the past come back from, um, trips, you know, like, uh, lecturing, you know, on the road, what have you. And my time zones will be off, my sleep will be deprived, and I'm at the refrigerator for no apparent reason. I'm not hungry. I think that what was happening, and I'm 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 being drawn towards sugary, like fast, refi- like what is going on? But I, I feel like what I was being drawn for was like I just want more energy. You know, it's like I think yeah. my brain was like I just I'm so what. Why is sugar so darn addictive? Like people, yeah, I mean, there's just, lots of studies to back up yeah. that one story. I mean, um, you know, the thing I think that's the most interesting about um, about sugar and about food in general, right, is that most addictions are two prong, right? They impact your nervous system, right, and they are uh, they are substance addictions, right? So you like alcoholism, right? You drink alcohol, it's a substance. It impacts your nervous system, your dopamine levels. Okay. The thing about sugar is it's four-pronged, right? It certainly, when you when that sugar hits your tongue, it lights up your dopamine uh, like the 4th of July, where dopamine receptors like the 4th of July, and it's a substance, but also it's a process addiction, the eating, right? So like gambling or gaming. And it also impacts your endocrine system, like Oh my goodness. So when so yes, when we are going on long trips and we are stressed out and we are t- 
tired and we are overwhelmed. I mean, anthropologically, you can't find a plant that is sweet and poisonous. So we have this pull to sugar any day of the week, right? Just kind of a natural sense. But the sugar that we were eating in the 1800s is not the sugar that we're eating today. That's been pretty processed by the food by the food industry to make it very addictive. But the other pieces that our, our hormones are so off are insulin, cortisol, all, all of that, making it, A, impossible to feel satiety, but also making us crave more, 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 more. And frankly, it's easier to go to the refrigerator than it is to get a hug. It's easier to go get M&Ms and grab it from your secretary's hmm. desk than to you know, call a friend, like it's, it's an easy access. And right. we're very short-term thinkers these days. <laughs> right. And, and very quick fixers. Very quick fixers. Yeah. Sustainability is not like, it's hard. It's a hard sell over here. Right. I'm like, but I want you to have a long-term healthy yeah. relationship. Everyone's <laughs> like, I want to drop the weight now. You know, I'm like, ah, help yeah. me. <laughs> I think I always, I find myself saying, okay, this is, this is more of a long-term um, marathon run. This is not a sprint and I need you, you know, cause I'm ta- I'm, I'm working with, you know, a lot of postmenopausal women that come in and they're like, what the heck? I'm 20 pounds more than I have ever been in my entire life. How did this happen and what can I do? And I'm like, yeah. we can do something. Postmenopausal weight is, um, I think that, you know, my esteemed colleague, Tori Hudson and I were talking and she's like, it's bound to happen. It's managing it that counts. And I said, yeah, yes. And I think that education part and the managing it and there's tips and tricks. Um, but, um, you know, it is a long term thing that we're looking at. So you've mentioned it a little bit. Um, the fact that there are physical, neurological, hormonal, psychological, emotional, absolutely spiritual things that like sugar anything, right? Touch anything. spiritual. Yeah. Yeah. That sugar touch. So I would say celebratory as well. I mean, I, you know, I'm just going to say, even though these shows are fairly evergreen, it's the holiday season here in the United States. And my top of my refrigerator looks different than it ever does any other part of the year. Why? Because people have given us things and they sit up there because I'm not going to touch them because if I touch them, that's it. I, I, I won't be able to stop. I'm just one of those people. But the rest of the family, they can, you know, uh, they sit up there because, but I'm like, I can't believe the, um, so I would say celebratory as well. I don't know how that happened and why that means well, like, yeah, 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 right. Right. Yeah, very, very. So yeah. Tell us about some of those things. Cause it's a lot. Well, it's a funny thing. Like, you know, in, in all of this, in all of this dieting drama that we have, right? There's no diet that says like sugar's really good for you, right? Like all sugar diet, right? And and so I think this that giving it up is so hard that that's why I'm using the word relationship. Like that's that we have to have a breakup of a relationship, which also means you have to have an assessment of your relationship to really understand like how sensitive you are and how and how much it's impacting your life so that you can figure out how it is you want to adjust this relationship but if you don't mind me saying you know these rituals and these attachments and again that's as a therapist that's a relationship word right these rituals and attachments that we have to sugar I think we need to examine because that's where this cutting and running behavior that we have from dieting comes in right so if this particular way of living in a relationship with sugar isn't working for you in the moment you're like you know what 
I'm going to cut and run and I'll try it again some other time. If you behave that way in any other relationship in your life, you wouldn't have any relationships, right? Ah, oh, that's very true. That's it. That's a very interesting point. I've never thought about it that way. And you have to be in a relationship with food. There's no choice. You could literally never talk to another person again, but you have to have a relationship with food. And so I think I really do believe that breaking up with sugar is really important. And so is staying the course of your relationship and with, with food and with yourself, frankly, because the behaviors that we are utilizing, these unhealthy behaviors that we're doing with sugar, hiding, binging, lying, you know, sitting in your meeting, obsessing, all these things, right? Eating more than you intend to. I mean, that does something to your personality. It does something, you know, it's a real shame response. It, when you're in the end game of having an unhealthy relationship with food, you know, I, I know for myself, you know, I was at 325 pounds in this thing, right? I was at demoralizing suicidal depression. I mean, I, I know what I speak of personally and professionally, but the impact it has on your relationship with yourself, the only other relationship you have to have is enormous. And so I think it's time to start to think about it in different terms. All right. So what do you do? I mean, because, you know, we've heard this term of intuitive eating. It's like, you know, just eat what your body wants. I mean, for first of all, I'm going to throw that out the window because I feel like the research these days on the microbiome, that there are so many imbalances that is going to drive people towards um, cravings that might not be great for them, that they cannot just matter over mind or mind over matter, I should say. Um, so what is it that you can do with folks um, that actually gets them hooked into understanding that the breakup is going to happen and it's going to stick? I mean, I think it was a Seinfeld episode, uh, and I can't say for sure. I've only heard about it many times because I'm just going to call myself out. I have never watched an episode of Seinfeld, but, um, I, I feel like somebody has told me that, um, it was one of the episodes where it's like, um, they, they reference breaking up as kind of like pushing over a Coke machine where it's like, you know, like, it's like, okay, you have to kind of like go push and then it comes back and push. And then it's like, you come back and, like, and then it's like, ah, okay. So pushing over something that's extremely heavy because breakups are like, yeah, you know, they're not really sometimes cut and dry, you know, the cleaner, no, the cleaner, I the, think that's the yeah. most important piece is that they're not <laughs> cut and dry. I mean, that's yeah. the whole thing. And our diet mentality is so you know, I'm on the diet or I'm off the diet, right? And it's like we make a mistake and it's like we get a flat tire on our car and we go slice all four tires and we leave our car on the highway. You know, the way people behave with food is pretty pretty bonkers, if you ask me. Yeah. And so if we just how do you, behaved a little yeah, differently, it would be okay. Yeah, how do you guide folks then? Well, I, I love what you're saying about intuitive eating. I mean, whether or not it works, it's like when your brain is hijacked by sugar, you don't, your intuition is completely clouded, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I wrote Breaking Up With Sugar, I went to the research. I love the research. I just love it. And I was like, okay, I need to find the, the first day where there's automacy, right? Let me find the first day where the, the habits become more automatic, where your brain clears up. And I wish it was like three days. I wish that was what I was going to tell you. But the data really said 66 days, right? 66 wow. days. Are, and I find it in my clinic. Around two months, people, what felt really kind of hard starts to feel like, oh, this is my, this is my new relationship. I'm protecting it. Stay away. And so uh, I think that that's the first thing to understand is, like, it takes a minute. It takes a minute because, you know, you're – it, you really have, your brain has been hijacked, your endocrine system has been hijacked. And 
that the thing about food is that it is a very imperfect science. Like, and what I think we have to learn is like that we get right back on when we make a mistake. It's not a normative thing because diet culture has us so on a light switch. I'm on it, I'm off it, I'm on it, I'm off it, I'm good, I'm bad. That it's like really making this decision that a day at a time for, I don't know, 66 days or so, you're going to really try this thing. Chapter two of my book is called The Sacred Vow. I, I beg people to stay the course, you know, to not give up no matter what, because yeah. you know this about addictions, like you never know which time is going to stick, but if you're committed to the path, it's going to work. Yeah. And so, you know, th- that would be, and of course, like littler things, like get the triggering food out of your house, right? Like plan, plan ahead. Like there are some really, you know, there's some micro things, but from a macro point of view, like understand it's an undertaking and a 30 day fix is, is like unrealistic from a scientific and and brain science perspective. And I want people to stop talking. I think we have so many other things to talk about than our diet failure, you know, and if we just give it one more month after that, we might be able to get some traction. I, so I, I love, I love the longevity of the over 30 days. Um, I do, because I think that's going to, from a scientific perspective, help things quote unquote, be a little bit more sticky. I love your book is very readable, very doable, breaking up with sugar, divorce the diets, drop the pounds and live your best life. You know, it's true. I have, you know, from a personal perspective, now I was, I'm i I'll be 54 in January and I've been in menopause ever since I was 45. And I realized too, it's like, look, look, that weight came on my craving sometimes just because of the, and I would call it use stress. Use stress is, I, I love my life. It's very full and I'm um, just so you know blessed, but it's big and it's a lot. <laughs> and, um, and sometimes, you know, I myself will kind of get in these ruts and um, I accidentally lost a lot of weight this summer because of some trauma surgery, to tell you the truth. But, you know, it, it, and it, it was those six or seven pounds, but then some um, that I wanted to shed. But, you know, I noticed with the weight loss that it's just, it's not, I mean, I wanted to be healthy. I, I, I don't care about anything else except that, like just feeling my best. But there, there was a confidence there. So when you say live your best life, you know, it's like I felt like, you know, I didn't have to dress my middle anymore or, and, yeah. and there was this constant consciousness of that. And, you know, for everybody, it's different. I know folks that can be healthy and fit and 20 pounds overweight and they rock it and I love it. And there's no, but not everybody is that way. And if you're hiding behind it, sometimes I feel like it triggers the addiction. It's like, because whenever you're in a shame-based place, it's like, what's the best way to get out of an awful feeling like shame? Like even body shaming yourself, it's just a numb. And what's the best place to numb? It's just like, go grab a drink or some sugar, right? It's like, it's a vicious cycle sometimes. Well, I think that I think there's certainly um, an education gap. Like, I think people don't really understand like the evils of sugar and exactly how to give it up and 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 what you would give up. And and the book explains that. But you know, it's like like there's this really beautiful part of our our country where a lot of people are living like very values driven life. And this is a concept in acceptance and commitment therapy, which is used in addictions and depression and anxiety. And it's like when we can understand what our core values are and we can have the right kind of information in our brain, 
we can start to make decisions around food that really nurture us, right? And, and, and so, like, my values are integrity and love and fun. And so when I think about, oh, should I eat this thing, I think about, well, is it in alignment with my core values? And I, part of my core values are me eating sugar is a bad idea, right, because it's really hard for me to stop and I get brain foggy and I get kind of mean and worried and I can't focus on the moment. So I think if we can start to bring some of our values that we use in other relationships into the relationship with food, we can really change the game. The other problem is we aren't using, we're using sugar to numb ourselves and to feel better and to to do things that and we need to find other ways to nurture and nourish ourselves that isn't something that's harming us. And that's a, you know, that's a big part of Brene Brown's research too, with finding joy that isn't food. You know, it's, a, it's problematic. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a deep dive. You got to get skin in the game. And I feel like, you know, the tenaciousness of the over 30 day fix is important. I think that the all in emotionally, spiritually, you know, kind of being, I mean, this is what the show is all about. It's mindful medicine. It's like, can you yeah. open your mind? Can you use your mind? You know, cause I think that we're so mindless in some of these things, especially with all of the, the tips and the tricks and the information and misinformation that's out there in oh. our pop wellness society. Um, oh, yeah. you know, people can go to like the no sugar summit and they'll, you know, pay whatever, $29. Well, and, and, and they're eating like dates and craisins. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. Like I believe wholeheartedly that every single person has like a deep inner wisdom inside. I just think it's probably blocked by sugar right now. And once we can break up with sugar and we can find that again, it's it's kind of like an easier path. It's just, you know, the bind of addiction is it tells you you don't have a problem and it tells you, please don't give me up. Your life is going to be terrible when the exact opposite is true. And I'm living proof and people are I mean, people I treat are living proof. I mean, there's nobody at my clinic who's like, that was a terrible idea. You know, yeah, like no, that was, that was uh, they're probably like that was well worth it. It was a little rough in the beginning, but it was well yeah. worth it. I am sure. So for you, having broken up with sugar, um, and being human, I'm assuming yes. we've never met, but you're human. This is not a bottom very, talking very, to. <laughs> very so human. when you have emotional stuff or urges or cravings that come up, where you know it was your once go to, what do you do now? You know, it's funny because for years and years and years and years, I um, I thought that when I had a sugar craving, that meant I was supposed to eat sugar, you know? <laughs> right. And and then, you know, I, then I read the research and the researchers like, oh, that actually makes your problem worse, not worse. better, like putting gasoline on a flame, right? And so, you know, I think the thing is, is that we have to find things that nurture, soothe, and nourish us that aren't food. And that, like for people who have been on the diet roller coaster, they want to get their knives out right now at me, right? Because I'm sort of making this suggestion that you do things like take a bubble bath, self-massage, watch TV, you know. I had this client who could not stop binging on chocolate chips when she was watching TV, you know, in short term, it was great, but long term, foggy in the morning, dance not fitting, feeling terrible about herself. And I mean, p- listeners are just going to get so angry at this. But, you know, I said, do you want to try knitting? And she screamed at me. And then I gave her the research. And wouldn't you know what? She started knitting. And of course, it's not like the high of the chocolate chips. But my goodness, she feels like so full of hope and so full of life. And I have so many scarves as a result, you know. And so it's really <laughs> That's about, the best. 
<laughs> yeah, I love a good scarf. You know, it's really about finding these skills to use in hard times that isn't something that hurts you and coming to terms yeah. with that. Wow. You know, I think that's probably, I mean, you've said a lot of profound things, but I think that's one of the most profound things I've heard is that it's, it's trying to find something to soothe you. That's not going to hurt you. And, um, let's just, everybody, let's just take a minute on that. (laughs) So many people. That's where it's like a real abusive relationship though. Right. I mean, yeah, we, we take the promises of sugar that that sugar always breaks. So Molly, my dear, how can folks find you? I know that you've got a website called mybreakupwithsugar.com. Yes, also, which is... yeah, and also mollycarmel.com, which has this great anti-perfection plan on it that helps us <gasps> to find alternatives to the black and white of dieting, which I always nice. think is so, such an important part of this. So, you know, I went camping over the summer and um, it was a little windy. So we were kind of secluded into not doing much of anything. And, and yes, there was a phone involved. So sorry about this. But we, we started to look up um, we started to look up um, things like by and large, like what does that actually mean? Um, or throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this is a throw the baby out with don't throw the baby out with the bathwater sort of situation. And, and I'm just saying that because it's like, what does that really mean? So the Bath water is dirty, but so you want to get rid of it, right? But you don't want to throw the baby out because <laughs> that, that's a really precious thing. So I think this is one of those, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bath water. Don't, if you, if you have one brownie, don't eat the whole pan. Like we can come oh back. God. And everything is reparable, right? Like yeah. what, it's like, don't make a bad situation worse. That's what we end up doing. Like, of course, you didn't intend to have this brownie, or maybe you did, but it doesn't mean you need to go eat the whole tray. Just go right back on track. I always say, like, it didn't go down on one cheeseburger. I promise you that. You know, like, it just didn't. It goes down on our reaction to it. I had this idea of folks doing um, a daily autopsy, and and I know that sounds morbid, but, you know, it's at the end of the day, your day is gone. It's gone. You're never going to get it back. But it's almost like um, Dr. G you know, medicine woman or whatever. She was, she's the, um, the woman that, that does the autopsies to understand how somebody died. It's like, how did your day go? Like, how did we, I can, let's dissect it almost. And I called them you musing. So it just, and, and maybe it was sort of a trick word for journaling, but at the end of the day, you know, could you understand that you got an email that was upsetting or you like, what was the, what was the triggers, even though that's kind of a triggering word, like what was the triggers that led you to the behavior that you're so upset about right now? How can you go? Yeah. If we can become curious instead of shaming and self-harming, like in food and everything, by the way, right? Not just in food, like in everything we do, just this gentle curiosity. Like I don't think anybody intends to harm themselves with food. I really don't. There's this Chinese proverb, and it says, you know, the man has a drink, the drink has a drink, the drink has the man. Like, I think we get really caught up in these rituals. Like, it's what you've done for so long that you haven't taken a pause. That's where the mindfulness comes in so big, right? If we could just take a sacred pause after you have that brownie and like, okay, what is wrong right now? What do I really need, right? What could I do differently? With gentle, loving curiosity, you'd kind of have no problems. If you listen to Mindful Medicine before, I, there's a quote that I are near and dear to my heart. That's like, get curious before critical. Um, I try to use it oh, with I myself. I try to use it with my relationships. Oh, I try to use it I'm in my... I'm making a meme of that. I love it. Yes. Get curious before critical. Just do it. Just like one second. You can get critical afterwards, but it's like, hey, 
can I ask you why you, or even to yourself, it's like, dude, what is going on? Or do desk. Well, Molly, gosh, thank you so very much for what you do oh God, and what you've the most fun. been through. And we're going to have you on again because we could talk forever and ever because this is I such know. a big subject. Mindful listeners, I want to thank you. But once again, you can look for Molly and more about her book um, on My Breakup with Sugar and also Molly Carmel. That's C-A-R-M-E-L dot com. Um, thank you. Thanks for being here. Mindful listeners. Great thanks time. for yeah, thanks for spending your time yeah. with us. And we're gonna see you next time.